Well, thank you for being here this morning. Uh, if you have your Bibles or electronic devices, we're in this Dive Deep series, and, uh, and I want to I talk to you about a parable. Uh, its fact is, it's one of the shortest parables in all of Scripture. It's two sentences. It's a parable that Jesus taught, and for many years I looked at this parable and thought, how in the world could you ever preach on this parable? And now that I've studied it, I've realized and I've come to understand this may be one of the most powerful uh, parables uh, that Jesus ever taught. It's short. It's two sentences. And so I've entitled this message, Fish are Cut Bait. Now that's a term that we use in Texas. I don't know if you use that term a lot here, but that, that simply means this. Quit vacillating between one decision to another. Just come to the place to where you make a decision. So in the South, in Texas, when you hear someone look at you and say, fish or cut bait, that just simply means when are you going to make a decision? Now listen, I, I learned last night and then after the 9 o'clock service that, that you and you guys in Pueblo, you have like some different sayings that you say. I appreciate those suggestions, but none of them would be appropriate for a sermon title. <laughs> so we use fish or cut bait. And so have you ever stopped to wonder what's going on here? And I'm talking about Fellowship of the Rockies. Have you ever stopped to wonder what is going on here? Because really and truly, when you, just, when you just look at our church from church growth statistics, from just local church, from what's going on in our nation and all those other things, what's going on here is not normal, wouldn't you say? I mean, not, what is going on here is not normal. In fact, is some of you are not normal, right? I'm not normal. And so, so maybe that's the reason. So have you ever asked yourself, what is going on? Why is these things happening that are happening? Because it, it's not normal. It is not normal for a group of people to come together and worship the way in which you do. It is not normal for a group of people to serve. I mean, we have over 650 people in life groups. We have more people serving. It is not normal for people to sacrifice their time and their priorities for the good of another, for the good of another person, to minister to one another. You know what? I even look at it. It is not normal for us to reach 15 to 1,600 people on the weekend and cram you guys into a building that's designed for 432 people. That is like not normal, right? And so you, you start asking yourself, what, what is up with that and why is that? I mean, is, is it just because it's the place to be? Is it just because crowds attract crowds? Is it just because the people drive by, they see the number of cars? And all of those things may be a part of it, but, but here's what I think it is. I think it's this issue of authentic Christianity to where we're just authentic. We're just, we do the best we can to be authentic with our faith. We do the best we can just to be transparent. You see, here's what's happening. Here's what has happened in our nation for a, a long time is that biblical Christianity is slowly being walked away from and our country and our culture is adopting something called lukewarm Christianity to where when, when people get to see the real thing, when people get to see authentic Christianity, all of a sudden there's an attraction to it. See, there's a brand of of Christianity that especially comes around like every four years, uh, this issue about I can have my private beliefs, but they don't affect my public beliefs. And Jesus Christ would say this, if you're a follower of Christ, that can't happen. Jesus Christ would say, guess what? Your private beliefs, if you're an authentic follower of Christ, affect your public beliefs. And so when the world sees this, there's something about that's different. It, it, it may seem strange to a world when people give of their time and they, they give of their money. I mean, December the 10th, we're going we're gonna to celebrate. 
what you guys have given in the faith campaign for over the course of the year. Well, so it's, it's going to be a wonderful service, December 10th and 11th, and we're going to take up a special offering that, that if you'd like to give a special offering, if you fall in by falling behind or any of those things we're just going to honor god as we go into 2017 and so but the bible would say this the bible says that the most important thing that, that a person can do is to make an investment into the local church can make an investment into other people can make an investment into the the kingdom of god and so we come to matthew chapter 13 verse 44 and we're trying to learn how to like dive deeper and what does it mean to dive deeper and all of a sudden Jesus tell, tells his parable tells his parable in two sentences about this guy this man that was plowing a public field it wasn't his field he didn't own the field and so he's plowing this public field and he hits something and so he comes around and he digs and he realizes it's a it's a treasure chest and he opens the lid of the chest and he realized there there's there's a lot of money in here there's a lot of rare gems in here there's a lot of rare treasures in here so this man takes that treasure chest closes the lid covers it back up and he goes and he leverages everything he has to buy that field i mean now his buddies are looking at him thinking that's a worthless field it's 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 a public field it, it, it has no worth it has no value but this man had discovered something in the field this man had realized that this is the best investment that i can i can make see here's the deal when, when you discover real christianity when you discover the treasure of christianity you understand it is the greatest investment that you can ever make when you understand the treasure of christianity here here's the verse matthew chapter 13 44 he said the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field which a man found and covered up then in his joy he goes and sells all that he has and he buys that field so I want to I give you five reasons. I want to give you five things, five different things that if, if you're going if, if to quit vacillating, if you're going to come to that place where you just make a decision to fish or cut bait, the first thing is this. You have to realize that we as believers, we have the treasure of eternal life. That we have the treasure of eternal life. Listen, I'm going to read a couple of scriptures, but here, here's my concern with this. That some believers, some Christians... You guys have heard this so many times, it no, no longer moves you. It's like, I already know that. And it no longer really moves you, but I'm telling you, when you understand that we as believers, we have the treasure, we have the treasure of eternal life. Jesus said in John chapter 1, verse 25, he said, Jesus said to her, I'm the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. I mean, what a treasure. What a promise that we, we have the promise of eternal life. I mean, what would a person pay? What would a person give to, to have eternal life? And Howard Hughes, at the end of Howard Hughes's life, if you could have had a conversation with him, you've had to go to Howard Hughes and told him that I, I have the power, I can give you one more year of life with fantastic health, with great health, health. How much would Howard Hughes pay for that extra year of life? We can never get over the fact, I'm telling you, we can never get over the fact to where we get so familiar with some of these scriptures that we're no longer moved, that as believers we have the treasure, we have the treasure of eternal life. The second thing is this, that if, if we're going to come to the place to where we fish or cut bait and we get, quit vacillating and we decide to dive deeper, we have to realize that, that we, have, we have the treasure of forgiveness of past sins. That we have the treasure of forgiveness of, of past sins. I mean, how many times maybe have you said, have you heard people say things like, you know, 
if I could just go back in time, if I, if I could go back in time to that one event, that thing that I said, that thing that I did, if I, if I could just have a mulligan, if I could just have a do-over, I mean, I, I, would, I would give anything to go back in time and just undo what I've done, just to do it over. But it can't be done, right? What, what, what is done is done. What is written is written. How many times have you heard someone say that? Maybe how many times have you said that or thought that? But you know what the Scripture teaches? The scripture, Scriptures teaches that in Jesus Christ, your past sins can be wiped out. And it can be completely erased. It can be completely cleansed. David said this after a really bad time in his life. David said in, in Philippians, I'm sorry, Psalms 51, chapter 7, he says, Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean, and wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. From God's perspective, you can go back, and you can undo past sins. Yeah, there's still consequences, but in, in God's perspective, you can be totally and completely forgiven. In God's perspective, in Christ, you're totally and completely forgiven. You're deeply loved. You're perfect and complete, lacking nothing. In God's perspective, in God's economy, you are totally and completely forgiven. See, we have this valuable treasures as believers. And I'm telling you what, when we realize this, when we understand this, it changes everything. That we, we have a treasure of eternal life. We have a treasure of, of just total and complete forgiveness. And it changes the way we live. Because we understand that we've been totally and completely forgiven and we've been set free. A third thing that we've got to realize, if we're going to understand the treasure that we have, if we're going to come to that place that we just make a decision, is that we have the treasure of purpose of life. We have the treasure of just purpose of life. So many people are living in our world, and you see it in them expressing themselves, whether it's social media, whether it's interviews, whether it's in conversations that you have with them, that they're just trying to figure out their purpose in life. They're just trying to figure out why they're here. They're just trying to get their head together and figure out their purpose and where they're headed and what, what is the reason and all of those other things. But no matter how hard they try, without Christ, everything is just temporary. Without Christ, even joy is just temporary. In other words, there's no, without Christ, there's no lasting joy or satisfaction. Now listen, there's, there's a lot of things that I, I miss, and in, in Karen does too, in parenting. Uh, we're in a phase now where kids are out of the house, and we got three grandkids, and then yesterday we just got a, a, a grand dog. I don't even know what's up with that, but we, now we got grandkids and we got a grand dog. And so, uh, and so, and so anyway, I'm off on something else, but back on this. But one of the things that one of the things that I miss greatly about parenting is vacations. Uh, we did some really cool vacations, and, and some of our greatest memories as a family is just vacations when we just pulled away. And so I, I never will forget the time the kids were young. We're still living in, in Houston, Texas, and, and SeaWorld de decided that they would put a theme park, a SeaWorld, in, in like West Texas. And so they put a, a theme park, SeaWorld, they put it in, in San Antonio, Texas, on the outskirts, about two hours from our house. So Karen and I decided we're taking the girls. We're going to SeaWorld. So the girls were excited uh, that they were going to 
see Shamu, but they always pronounced it shampoo. And so we went and we saw shampoo. And so, uh, so we went, we got a hotel room, we get to theme park early, we pull into the, the parking lot. And so, you know, they have those transit buses. And so we get out of our car, we load up into this bus, we drive to the front gate of SeaWorld. We spend the day at SeaWorld and could not believe how much that day cost. It cost a lot of money in, in the 80s. And so, uh, and it still does from what I understand. And so, so then we finished our day, we saw uh, shampoo, we saw the, 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 you know, all the different shows, and it was just a fantastic day. We, we get back in the transit bus, we go back to our car, and so we're headed back to the hotel, and you could tell the girls were, were, were sad. You could tell that they, they were like sad. And so one of the traditions that I started in our family that our girls hated was this. I would always ask them, what was your favorite part of the day? I was always interested in that answer. It always helped us to understand what, what really spoke to them. What did they really enjoy? So I asked the girls there in the back seat, hey, girls, what was your favorite part of the day? And I'm expecting the sea lion show. I'm expecting, you know, shampoo. I'm expecting those things. Both girls said together, Dad, our favorite t part of the day was the bus ride. I spent $100 for you to ride in a bus. It wasn't shampoo. It wasn't, you know, the sea lions. It was the bus ride. I was so angry. But you know what? They were sad that day. And you know why they were sad? You know why they were always sad at the end of a vacation? Because their joy was back there. It was temporary. As believers, our joy is not back there. Our joy is ahead of us. It doesn't matter what you're going through in life. It doesn't matter the seasons, the situations, the circumstances. As believers, see, the only thing the world can give you is temporary joy. In this life, in this lifetime, there may be some thrills and there may be some highs and, and for sure there's some lows, but it's all temporary. There, there's no lasting satisfaction in this world. See, in this world, on an earthly standpoint, your joy will always be behind you and not ahead of you. Now listen, I always preface these stories. I don't tell preacher stories because um, they're cheesy, right? I mean, you know, when you hear those preacher stories, ah, did that really happen? So I, I tell stories that, that actually happened to me and my family or happened to you. I like your stories better. But I, I'm going to preface this story, maybe a preacher story, but, but it speaks. Does that make sense? It speaks. There, there's, 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 there is a preacher story. It may or may not have happened, so we're just tracking uh, about this lady uh, that she was terminal and, and she knew she was going to pass away and she was planning her funeral. And so she told her pastor that, that she said that, that whenever her favorite part of the meal was dessert. And she loved dessert. And she always looked forward to dessert. And so she says, when, when I'm buried, I want in my right hand, I want a fork placed in my right hand. And so that when people look at me and say, what, that's, what is that fork there for? I want you to tell them because she lived her life knowing that the best is yet to come. Now that may or may not have happened, but it speaks. See, as a believer, I'm telling you, one of the treasures that we have is purpose of life and our joy. Our joy is always ahead of us. And it gives us purpose and it gives us meaning to life. I mean, we have these treasures of being a believer, of being a Christian. And when we discover these things, it should change everything about us. The fourth thing is this, is that we have this treasure of community. 
we have this treasure of community. In other words, we have a group of people around us with like shared vision or shared values. And so, so let, me, let me just ask you some questions. How much are, are your friends worth to you? How much are good friends worth to you? How much would you be willing to pay right now for just a really, really great friend? One that had like shared values and was confidential and was trustworthy and you could trust them. And, and you could, it was a type of friend that you, you know is going to be there with you, whether it's good times and bad times, that you know that they're trustworthy. You know that they won't break your confidence uh, they they know that you know that they desire the best for you I mean, how much is that type of friend worth see see what what scriptures tell us is this is in christ there's a there's a special fellowship that word fellowship in the scripture just means people with like shared vision shared values and what the scripture tells us in christ we can have close friends that are closer than closer than family and how, met, how much are those friends worth to you? It is, and it's even deeper than friends. We're brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ. Pastor Dwayne right now is in Haiti with, with a team. He's, uh, Nate Graybill and Eric Young is with him. In fact, they're on their way back today. And they've been in Haiti uh, for the last few days, and they're looking at more ministry opportunities in Haiti. And so Dwayne is meeting a lot of Haitians that are believers, and, and, and he talks about it. there's automatically this shared bond. There's automatically this immediate relationship because of, of Jesus Christ is the common value. And because, because of our commitment to Jesus Christ, we have shared values. It's, this, it's fellowship. is like this shared life. In other words, there's a level of friendship that is very valuable to us because it's Christ that connects us. Listen, our world is becoming more and more impersonal. And this man, this man discovers a treasure in a public field. It just boggles my mind that people have been walking past this field day in and day out, around it, over it, through it. Maybe some people had picnicked in it and done some outings in it. And people have looked at this field and they have never discovered the treasure that was in there. I, I think sometimes about the number of people who go through life and they bump up against closely to Christianity, but they never discover the treasure. They never discover the value of, of Christianity. And they may, they may drive by a church. They, they may attend a church on Christmas Eve or, 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 every, or every Easter. They may work alongside of a believer. They may know a believer. They may be married to a believer. They, they, might, they may come to church weekend and week out. And they always just kind of play with the surface of it. And they never dig down for themselves. They never come to that place to fish or cut bait, to understand the treasure of Christianity. See, my burden is, is there is a group of people that attend a church and churches every week. And they're never willing to dig enough for themselves to find the treasure of it. There's a group of people who have never come to the place where there's fished or cut bait to where it, it, like, it like changed their, their life. Listen, I'm telling you, this man in the parable, he understood that this was the most important thing in his life. Can I tell you this? The greatest investment that you will make is into the local church. This is the greatest treasure in life. See, what we do here is just not some added inspiration to you. It is not geared to make you feel better about yourself. Uh, scripture never talks about that. It, it, it's none of those things. 
Christianity is not designed to make you feel better about yourself. Christianity is designed to change your life. For all of a sudden, it changes your life, it changes your values, it changes your perspectives, it changes everything about you. See, this man discovered that this treasure was everything to him. And so he made, he made like a quick decision to invest everything, leverage everything for it, because it was, it was valuable. Now, I don't know about you, but we're, we're dollar store people. And you're like, well, we knew you're a redneck. That's weird. And so, uh, so we like dollar stores. And so we like pure dollar stores. We like, we like the dollar store where everything in the store is actually a dollar. That's a dollar store to us. And so uh, here recently, Karen and I were in a dollar store. There's a man, a uh, couple, of, couple of people behind us, and we're all checking out together. And that's a whole other experience. And so, uh, and so this man's angry. This man is angry because he says, I hate this place. I can't stand this place. I'm and he's loud. He's like, I'm never coming back to this place ever again. They don't mark anything in this, in this store. You don't know how much anything costs in this store. This is ridiculous. I'm like, it's a dollar store. I'm like, your Windex is a dollar. It's a dollar. Everything's a dollar. And so we, so we like dollar stores. And so, so Karen will take the grandkids to the dollar store, a real dollar store. And so she'll give them a dollar or two dollars or three dollars, whatever she chooses. And she gives them their dollars and she takes them to the, 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 the aisle where the, the toys are. That, you know, aren't going to last over two weeks, but it's just a dollar. And, so, and she, so she says, you can buy anything you want. Everything's a dollar and you can buy anything you want. And she says, it's amazing at four years of age, almost five and, and two and a half, that they'll sit there and you can tell they are really considering how to invest their money, how to invest that dollar, because they know they only got one dollar that equals one toy. And that, that when they get that toy, that they're out of dollars. And so you, you, she says you can just tell and you can watch them so stressed about that that they're like they're, like they're worried about the cost when there's, when there's grandkids involved. There's more where that came from, but it's like they're worried about the cost. You know what I think? It, I think sometimes the reasons people don't fish or cut bait with this issue of Christianity is you're worried about the cost. You're worried if it's going to cost too much. What if God requires too much of me? What if God requires me to change everything? This, this, man, this man changed everything. There are so many people, I believe the reason that they never decide fish or cut bait is because they're afraid that God is going to ask them to radically change their life. Let me just ask you. Have you ever thought how much the local church, the church, uh, costs God? Have you thought about that? Acts 20, 28 gives us some insight into that. Paul says, Be, uh, pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. So let's just be clear. He's talking about the local church. I'm a local church guy unapologetically. I believe in the local church. I believe the local church is the hope of the community. It's the hope of the world. 
And so he goes on and he says, to care for the church of God. For he obtained it with what? He obtained it with his blood. It cost him his blood. See, we normally do not think of God dying on a cross for us, but that's exactly who God is. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 16, Paul writes, and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. In other words, God was reconciling himself to us, himself to the world. When you, when you look at Jesus Christ dying on a cross and the thorns that were pressing into his brow, he planted those thorns in the ground. He created those thorns. The tree on which he hung on that cross, he planted that tree. He holds everything together. He created that tree. Understand that those people that were around the cross, that were humiliating him, who were persecuting him, who were crucifying him, who were insulting them, he created. He created those people. Listen, just so we're clear this morning, the church costs God the blood of his son, Jesus Christ. And then you start looking at the cost that came to the men and women that birthed the church in Acts chapter, chapter 2, Acts chapter 4, verse 34, here's a verse. He said, there was not a needy person among them, for as many as were owners of, the, of, of lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold. In other words, they were so excited about the church, this treasure that they found, this kingdom of God, that they were willing, like this man in the field, they were willing to lever, leverage everything. Because they understood this value, they understood this treasure. Acts chapter 8, verse 1, and Saul approved of his execution. This is the first martyr of Stephen. He was the first martyr. He was a deacon. And there arose on that day a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem. And they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. I mean, have you ever thought of that? The church was birthed out of the sacrifice of people. And many of them lost their homes, they lost their jobs, they lost their careers, they became refugees. They, left, they leveraged everything. I mean, it, it cost some of them their lives. Acts chapter 2, devout men buried Stephen and made a great lamentation over him. The church buried him and mourned for him as, as Saul had perse persecuted many of them. The, the early Christians, they were subject to false arrest, uh, interrogation, brutality, execution without a fair trial. I mean... The treasure of Christianity cost some of them their lives. And you need to understand in Christianity the treasure. And there's a cost. And it may not cost you your home and it may not cost you your life. But there's a cost. See, our country, our country has embraced this brand of lukewarm Christianity that the Bible talks nothing about. To where if, if I can just if I can just just Go when it blesses me. Go when it's convenient to me. If I can just give God a little so that I can call myself a Christian. But really and truly, there's not much of a sacrifice. There's not much of a cost. Listen, I'm telling you, we live in a world that wants just enough of Christianity to make them feel good about themselves, to give them just a little bit of inspiration, but not a brand of Christianity that actually changes them. It changes everything about them. And listen, as our world, as our world gets worse and worse, it is going to be more difficult, I believe, to walk through this world and straddle the fence with one foot in the church and one foot in the world. And if you're looking for a Christianity where there are a few demands on you, you're living in the wrong time. 
just living on the wrong time. Hebrews 11.25 talk about says, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. I mean, being an authentic Christian may cost you. It may cost you your, your priorities. It may cost you some of your possessions. It may cost you your time. I'm telling you, we have story after story of people being ministered to in this, cup, in, 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 in this church. It takes a lot of people to minister to about 3,000 people that call Fellowship the Rockies their home week in, week out. I, I know I talk all the time about, about relationships and about life groups, and, and I... There's going to have to come a time in your life when you decide to fish your cup bait with life groups and serving him. Every week I hear stories of people in the early service, uh, in the 9 o'clock service. We had, a, we had a family here, and they had, they had been in church all their lives, and late in life, he's in his 70s, he, he, got, he came to fellowship, he gets in a, in a life group here, and he became a life group hero. He's like, Charlie, just tell everybody, life groups is the only way to fly. I've been in church all of my life, and I have some of my closest friends. Well, his adult son, this last week, uh, lost his life to a massive heart attack. And the whole family's here. They filled up a whole row. Was, and, and, uh, and they all came down, and they all came down for prayer. And after the service, I met with them, and I talked with them. And, 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 and Bill looked at me, and Bill goes, Charlie, I said, when did this happen? He said, on Friday. He said, nobody called. And he said, Charlie, not that you're second, but I have a life group. And some of my closest friends go to that life group. I didn't need a pastor. I didn't need a pastor. I tell you, there has to come a time when you decide to fish your cup eight. The last thing is this, just real quickly, is we have the treasure of joy. We have the treasure of joy. This, you, you find this man in his joy. It wasn't a burden. In his joy, he went and he sold everything. and He leveraged everything for this treasure that he had found. And whenever we talk to people that Christianity may cost and we sacrifice, sometimes the world pushes back, but the opposite is true. There's joy in the Christian life. Jesus said in John 15, 11, These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. In other words, Jesus says there's, there's two ways to walk in life. You can either choose the wide road or you can choose the narrow road. The, the narrow ro road leads to heaven. The wide road leads to destruction. And this is the reason there's so many people on the wide road because it's just easy. It requires nothing of you. Just go with the flow. And a lot of people will choose the wide road because it seems to be less restrictive. But here's the truth. Can I just tell you the truth about the, the wide road? The longer you walk the, right, the wide road, the more narrow it becomes and, and the more restrictive it becomes. And the end of the, of the wide road is hurt and pain and unforgiveness, loss of relationships, broken relationships, addictions, and everything else. But the narrow road, here's the amazing thing about the narrow road. You start out on the narrow road, the longer you walk the narrow road, the less restrictive it becomes. And there's joy and there's freedom. I'm telling you, when you're a believer, you can have joy regardless of the situation, regardless of the circumstances that you walk through. Jesus said this. He answered a lady and he says, do you believe this? And she said, yes, Lord, I believe that you're the, you're the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. There is a time that every one of us has to decide to fish your cup bait. What's your decision?